Welcome to the Caris Christian Center podcast. I'm in John chapter 20, and we're going to be talking today about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changed everything. And thank God for the resurrection of Jesus. You know what? If, there, if it wasn't for the resurrection of Jesus, we wouldn't have hope like we have hope. But we have hope that goes beyond this life. We have hope that goes beyond the grave. You know, uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 19, if in this life only we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. But we have hope that goes beyond this life. We have hope that goes beyond the grave. We have hope in eternity because Jesus is the resurrected Lord of eternity. Now we're going to begin today in John chapter uh, 20, verse 20 through verse 22. When he uh, had so said, he showed them his hands and his side. And then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said to them again, Peace be to you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. When he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now, I believe this is when the apostles and the original disciples that have been following Jesus uh, during his earthly ministry were first born of the Spirit. They were born again. The born-again experience was never a reality until Jesus had been raised from the dead. But when Jesus was raised from the dead... Because he had shed his blood and paid for our sins, now the Holy Spirit could come and live on the inside of us as believers. And, and we have the reality of the Spirit of Christ living on the inside of us as believers. Any, every one of us have that hope as believers. So thank God that we have that. And so he said, just like my Father sent me, I'm sending you. Amen? And then he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Amen? And I believe they were born of the Spirit of God. The resurrection of Jesus changed everything. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then Jesus isn't really who he said he is. And Jesus said in John chapter 11 and verse 25 and verse 26, I am the resurrection and the life. He who uh, believes on me, though he were dead, he's talking about our spiritual condition before we came to know him, yet shall he live and he who lives and believes on me shall never die. Praise God. As long as you continue to believe on Jesus, you have hope. We have hope. Amen. In eternity. Now let's go back to John chapter 20. We'll begin reading in verse 1 through verse 10. The first day of the week came Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark to the sepulcher and saw the stone taken from the sepulcher. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved to John and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher and we not, don't know where they've laid him. Peter therefore went forth and the other disciple and came to the sepulcher. They ran together and then John outran Peter and came first to the sepulcher. He stooping down and looked in, saw the linen clothes lying and yet he went not in. Then came Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seized the linen clothes lying and the napkin that was about 
Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their home. Now, when we look at this, notice the very first thing John says, the first day of the week. Jesus was raised from the dead on the first day of the week. The Holy Spirit was sent 50 days later on the day of Pentecost on the first day of the week. The church was born on the first day of the week. Paul said, when you meet together, you, you give as God has prospered you on the first day of the week. That's why we worship on Sunday. Praise God as New Testament believers. Now, notice Mary Magdalene. She came early when it was still dark. And she saw the stone taken away from the sepulcher. In Mark chapter 16, we, we see that Mary was the first one, actually. You see this here also, but we'll go to Mark chapter 16 and read in verse 7. In verse 7, the angels speak to her, Mark 16, verse 7, and they say, go your way and tell his disciples and Peter. I'm sure they received this instruction from Jesus. Make sure Peter gets the message. He wanted to know Peter, Peter to know that he was not condemned. He, he wanted Peter to know that he was forgiven. He wanted Peter to know that he was accepted, that he was loved. That he goes before you into Galilee, and there you will see him as he said to you. Verse 9 says, now when Jesus was risen early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he cast seven devils. This is amazing here that Mary Magdalene is the first evangelist of the resurrection. You know, there's a question in many circles. Can women be ministers of the gospel? Could a woman be a pastor? Could a woman be a missionary? Well, I don't think God is uh, so lame in his brain to eliminate over half of the body of Christ from ministry. And in the Old Testament, we had Deborah the prophetess. Praise God. In the New Testament, we have Anna who prophesied over Jesus the prophetess. Praise God. In fact, Paul says in Romans chapter 16, to salute Andronicus and Junia, he says, who are of note among the apostles. Now, depending on how you see that, praise God. If you look at that in one way, you could say that Junia was an apostle. Well, if Junia was an apostle, if a woman can be an apostle, she can fulfill any of the other five-fold ministry gifts of the church. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28 says, God set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, which I believe is talking about the office of pastor teacher. After that, miracles and gifts of healings. And a biblical evangelist will operate in miracles and gifts of healing, just as Philip, who is the only New Testament named evangelist, operated in miracles and gifts of healings. Praise God. So... I believe that a woman could fulfill any of the five-fold ministry offices 
Because in the spirit, there's neither male nor female. And a lot of people really just don't understand the culture where, you know, the scripture says, suffer not a woman to teach or usurp authority over her husband. The same scripture, you know, in different scriptures, it says this, the older women are to teach the younger women. So I think spiritually, a woman could fulfill any of the fivefold ministry offices that are in the church. Praise God, because in the spirit, there's neither male nor female. Praise God, that is my understanding. That is my thinking. If you don't like it, you could talk to Jesus about it when we get to heaven. I'm sure if you don't like that, there's going to be some things when you get to heaven that you're not going to like there. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I don't think God's eliminating half of the body of Christ. Now, Mary Magdalene, you know what? She had an understanding of the goodness of God. I want you to turn to Luke's gospel, chapter 8. We're going to read the first three verses of Luke chapter 8, verse 1 through verse 3. What person is better, you know, to really first announce and share this good message of Jesus than Mary Magdalene who had experienced the life and grace of Jesus in her life. It says in Luke chapter 8 verse 1, it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. And Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. Jesus cast seven devils out of Mary Magdalene. So she understood the gospel. She understood firsthand, you know, the good news of Jesus. Verse 3 says, And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod, Stuart, and Susanna, and many others, who ministered unto him of their substance. So Jesus had women that were involved in his ministry when he was here on the earth, and that carried on. And Mary Magdalene became the first evangelist of the resurrection. She went and told, just like the angel spoken to her, Peter and John, they ran to the tomb ahead of her. Then she came back, you know, and, and, and she was there. Now, in verse 11, it says, Mary stood without the sepulcher. This is Mary Magdalene weeping, and she wept. She stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, and she saw two angels in white, one sitting at the head and one at the feet of where Jesus' body had been laid. And they said unto her, Woman, why do you weep? She said unto them, Because they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. And we sh when she said this, she turned herself back, and she saw Jesus standing and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have borne him from here, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. So here, Mary sees Jesus, right? Here, Mary not only sees Jesus, but Jesus speaks to her, and she does not know him. Now, I ask you this question, how many people have seen Jesus or had some understanding of Jesus, but they really have no revelation of who Jesus is. How many people have heard Jesus speaking and yet really have no revelation that it's Jesus who is speaking to them? 
You see, we need not only to see Jesus in the scriptures and understand the historical Jesus, but we need a personal relationship with him. We need a personal experience of Jesus. Then in verse 16, Jesus says to her, Mary. She turned herself and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. See, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and another, they will not follow. And she recognizes who he is. This is the ultimate goal of the Gospels, that people might know Jesus. I'm not just talking about knowing him historically, but knowing him personally and knowing him intimately. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection being made conformable to his death, that I may come to know him, that I may experience him. I believe that's the ultimate goal of the gospel. In fact, we have our vision out on the wall, right? The first one says, know Jesus, experience grace, build relationships, Live with purpose. What, what is our goal? What is the vision of Karis Christian Center? The vision of Karis Christian Center, first of all, is that people might know Jesus. It's really to know Jesus and to make him known. If you want to boil it down and make it as simple as it can be. In everything that we do, we want people to know Jesus. We want people to experience Jesus. We want them to have an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus and then we want to make Jesus known. We want to share Jesus around the world. Praise God, here in this city, wherever we go, we want to make Jesus known. When you know Jesus, it will change your life. In fact, Peter writes about it in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, and he says this, His divine power, we might say, His divine grace has given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to glory and virtue. And when he says the knowledge of him in 2 Peter chapter 1 in verse 3, he is not talking about a head knowledge. He's not talking about facts. He's talking about a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. And when you come into a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus, his divine power, his divine grace has given to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through this experience of Jesus who called us to glory and to virtue, the outflowing of his nature. Praise God. So we want to know Jesus, amen, and we want to make Jesus known. Now, Jesus speaks to her, and he said unto her in verse 17, touch me not. For I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my father and your father and to your God and, and, and to my God and your God. Mary, don't cling to me. I still have work to do. I'm not quite finished. Praise God. And so I, I've got to ascend to the father. Now, I really believe what Jesus did when he ascended to the Father. I believe he took his own blood and he poured it on the throne room of heaven. In fact, the Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 12, that we have come to the blood of Christ, which speaks better things than the blood of Abel. 
Of course, you know, if you study about the blood of Abel, you remember, you know, Abel's blood cried from the ground for judgment. But I believe that Jesus' blood cries from the throne room of God for mercy. I believe that Jesus' blood cries from the altar in heaven. He goes on in Hebrews 13 and says, We have an altar which those under Moses' law had no right to eat at. Jesus is our altar. He represents our approach to God. And I believe he, I may be wrong, but I, took, I believe he took his own blood and he poured it out there on the altar of heaven. Hallelujah. And Jesus' blood cries righteous. Jesus' blood cries redeemed. Jesus' blood cries forgiven. Jesus' blood cries that the price has already been paid. Hallelujah. Don't cling to me. I, I've got work to do. I've got to finish this. Hallelujah. And so he ascends into heaven. I believe he pours that blood out on the throne room of God. Before, you know, on the altar, praise God. That's what I think. I may be wrong. Like I said, if you don't like it, you can talk to God when you get to heaven. I'm sure there's a few things you won't like there. Hallelujah. Then Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and he had spoken these things to her. So my question is, have you really seen Jesus? See, John 1.18, he, he's getting this really from the beginning. of the, No man has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son who's from the bosom of the Father, he has revealed him. He has openly made him known. No man has fully understood or comprehended who God really is. But Jesus came to put a face on the Father. Jesus came so that we could know God. So number one, we want to share the message. Number two, we want to have an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus. We really want to understand who he is and what he came to do. Then in verse 19, the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst. So they had the doors all locked. They were all closed in. They were afraid of the Jews. Jesus comes walking, amen, through the wall. And stands in their midst and says, peace be to you. <laughs> Bible says, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. When he said so, he showed to them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. John 16, 22, Jesus said in that day, speaking of the day that he would be raised from the dead, speaking of the day that the Holy Spirit would come, said, your joy in that day no man will take from you. They were glad. Jesus said unto them again, peace be to you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. When he said this, he breathed on them. And said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. I believe this is when the initial disciples, all, all the disciples that have been with Jesus, all the people that have followed him, you know, prior to his resurrection from the dead. I believe this is when they were born again. I don't believe being born again in the sense that we're born again was even a possibility until Jesus was raised from the dead. But now that he shed his blood and paid the price for our sin, the blood has covered our sin. Now we have the reality of a born-again relationship with God. Amen? 
Jesus talked about it in John chapter 3. And he said, except ye be born again, you cannot see, you cannot experience the kingdom of heaven. He went on in verse 6 and said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You have a physical man, right? You have an outward man, but you also have a spiritual man. You have a fleshly man, and you have a spiritual man. Then he said, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. So I believe when Jesus comes back and he breathes on them and says, receive you the Holy Ghost, I believe this is when they were first born of God. They were born again. Romans 8 verse 9 says this, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. He goes on to say in verse 10, but if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is alive because of righteousness. And then he says in verse 11, my favorite verse in the whole Bible, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he will quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. What happens when we're born again? Well, how did you get born in the natural in the first place? How were you born of the flesh? A seed went from your father's body, right, into your mother's body, joined with an egg from your mother's womb, and you became a new physical being. That's what we call natural childbirth, right? But when you're born again... I believe the seed of the word goes into your spirit when you hear the gospel about Jesus. And when you believe that, that word joins with your spirit and you become a new spiritual being. That's why I believe Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 and he says, Therefore, if any person be in Christ, the same has become a new creature, a new creation, a new kind of being. Old things are passed away, and all things have become new, and all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself and given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Praise God, that's what happened when you got born again. I believe a lot of people in the church don't even understand how great the born-again experience is. Amen? What happened when you got saved? What happened when you got born again? What happened when you believed on Jesus? You became a brand-new creation. Old things passed away. All things become new. You left the kingdom of darkness. You came into the kingdom of light. Amen. When you were born of God. To as many as received him, John says in John chapter 1 verse 12, gave he the power to become the sons of God who were not born of the blood, the natural childbirth. Right? Or of what? The flesh, the, the blood, the flesh. Or of works, your performance. Right, but he goes on and says, but they were born of God. You became a new creation. The seed of the word joined with your spirit. You, you became a brand new kind of being in the realm of the spirit. I, if you begin to understand that, I believe it will literally transform the way that you live your life being born again. But Jesus not only says, receive ye the Holy Ghost, 
right? Be born of God. He goes on and says this, whoever sins you remit, they are remitted to them. Whoever sins you retain, they're retained. Now, I struggle with this scripture for years. How, how do I explain this? What is Jesus saying? Do we have the power to forgive sins? Do we have the power to hold people accountable for their sins? But then the other day, I was reading this scripture in Acts chapter 7. And we'll begin reading in verse 51. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me. And I believe this is what Jesus was saying. This is Stephen's testimony. Of course, Stephen was a man full of wisdom and full of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says Stephen was a deacon in the church, right? He was a servant in the church. But Stephen was a great man of faith. And Stephen is serving the church you know, got bald and began to do all kinds of amazing things. And so they were questioning him and he began to share his testimony and he began to talk to the religious leaders there about their relationship with God. And he says in verse 51, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You, you may have a physical circumcision, but your spirit is in trouble. Do you always resist the Holy Ghost? Are you resisting the Spirit of God as your fathers did? So do you. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they've killed them, which showed before the coming of the just when they were prophesying of Jesus coming. Of whom you've been now betrayers and murderers. You betrayed him and murdered him. Who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. You had the law, but you didn't keep it. I mean, he's laying it on. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. And they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven. And he saw the glory of God. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and I see the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet who, whose name was Saul. Saul was the one who was giving them the authority to do this. Saul who became Paul. And they stoned Stephen. Calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Not unlike the Lord Jesus who said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. They stoned him. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice. Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Lord, I forgive them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. What a marvelous example. I believe this is what Jesus is saying. Since you've been born again and you're going as my Father sent me, I'm sending you in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to minister the grace of God. Not unlike Jesus when he died on the cross in Luke chapter 23 and verse 34 and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Praise God, because Jesus has been raised from the dead, 
because we've come into a personal experience with Jesus, we're now to go in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the power of a born-again life, and we're to share the message of Jesus with people, and we're, we're to share the message of Jesus with the emphasis of the grace of God. Amen. Whoever sins you remit, they're remitted. Whoever sins you retain, they're Minister the grace of God. Share the grace of God that you've received with other people. I simply think that's what Jesus was talking about. Right? Because we have to use the scripture to explain the scripture. And the, that's the closest I've ever got on that one. Amen? But Thomas, in verse 24, one of the twelve who's called a twin, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I see his hands in the print of nails and put my fingers into the print of nails and thrust my hand in his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, again, the disciples were within and Thomas with them. And then came Jesus, the doors being shut. Again, they were all locked up. <laughs> Jesus walks through the wall. Stands in the midst and says, peace be to you. Reminds me of a story that I heard years ago by R.W. Schambach. He was a great gospel preacher, healing evangelist. He learned from A.A. Allen. A.A. Allen actually was born in Lamar, Colorado, my hometown. A.A. Allen had some challenges, but God was still with him and he did some great things. But R.W. Schambach served and helped A.A. Allen. And then he went on and he had a radio ministry, had a great healing ministry in the voice of healing. And, and for years, would, would go around, hold tent revivals and preach and see lots of people healed and set free. I remember one story of him preaching in India. And, and he was, you know, trying to get people to believe, but they, they were believing, you know, in the name of Muhammad. They, they would believe in the name of Jesus, just like the name of Muhammad. So he... he he said, listen, I, I, want to, I want every blind person in this place. There were thousands of people there to come up. And then he went down the line and prayed over, there were like 10 blind people. Prayed over all of them in the name of Muhammad. None of them received anything. Then he went down the line and he prayed for them in the name of Jesus. And literally, nine out of the 10 immediately received their sight. I believe the other one got it a little bit later. <laughs> kind of like the one in Jesus' ministry. Praise God. Amazing miracle ministry. But R.W. Schambach, when he was on the radio, he used to close every broadcast. And he said, you don't have any problem. All you need is faith in God. And you're thinking, what are you talking about, R.W.? There's a lot of people that have problems, you know. But when I was at Dr. Sumrall's, he came one time and he was preaching and he explained how he got that. And he said he was in New York State years ago, and he's holding the great gospel crusade. Before he got there, there was a man that met him and said, listen, when your team comes, I want to feed everybody. I want to take care of everybody. Now, R.W. had huge meetings with thousands of people, a big team. He had at least 100 people that would come and help in every meeting. So to feed all these people every night after the meeting was, was a lot of money, and it took a lot of work. This man said, no, I want to do it. So R.W. let him. But he said, this man told me his story. This man said, you know, I was literally a few years ago lying in a hospital and I was dying. And the priest in black came and gave me, you know what, my last rites or whatever it was. 
And he walked out the door. And after he walked out the door, he said, another priest in white walked through the wall. And he said, you don't have any problem. All you need is faith in God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he said, I got out of that bed. He told me to get out of my bed and shave myself and dress myself. And I walked out of that room healed and whole. And I've been healed and whole to this very day. <laughs> Praise God, that great high priest, Jesus. <laughs> and so Jesus walks through the wall. And he begins to talk about to Thomas. Downing Thomas. You know, some people are a lot like Thomas. We wouldn't, be, oh no, I don't believe that. Well, I don't care what you believe, it still happened. <laughs> don't be a Downing Thomas. Jesus walks in and says, Peace be to you. Then Thomas said, to said to Thomas, he said this. So Jesus was raised in a glorified body, right? He's raised in a glorified body. He walks through the wall. He did it in verse 19. He does it in verse 25. Then he said to Thomas, Thomas, reach here your finger and behold my hands and reach here your hand and thrust it into my side and don't be faithless but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed, but blessed are they who've not seen and yet believed. You see, what, what this says is not only was Jesus raised in a glorified body, but he was raised in a physical body. There was a, Jesus was raised in a physical body. Amen? A physical body and a glorified body. There was a physical resurrection with a glorified body. And guess what? One of my best friends just went home to be with Jesus. And as I was studying this this week, I got so excited because I begin to realize when Jesus comes again, all of those who believed in Jesus are going to be raised in a physical resurrection with a glorified body. Job is known by most Bible scholars as the oldest book of the Bible. Job saw it. And in Job chapter 19, I just want to read these verses to you. In Job chapter 19, beginning in verse 25 through verse 27. He says, for I know that my Redeemer lives and that he will stand at the latter day upon the earth. I know that Jesus is alive. And I know one day that he's coming and he's going to stand on this earth. Amen. And though after my skin, worms destroy, after worms eat this body, yet in my flesh, I'm going to see God. There is going to, you see, there's going to be a physical resurrection with a glorified body. A body that's not going to be tempted and tried with some of the things that we deal with in this physical body. So we as believers have this hope in Jesus. Paul says if we don't have this hope, we are of all men most miserable. But we have this hope of a physical resurrection in a glorified body. Let's just read about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we'll 
close, you know, with these scriptures, you know, just before we go back and finish up John 20. But this is so powerful. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I want to read to you a number of scriptures here. But we'll begin in verse 40. There are celestial heavenly bodies and bodies that are earthly, terrestrial. But the glory of the heavenly is one, the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. One star differs from another star in glory, purpose. So also is the resurrection of the dead. This physical body is sown in corruption, but it's raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor, but it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, but it's raised in power. It's sown a natural body, a physical body. It's raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. You know what Adam's problem was in the garden? He was living by his brain rather than his spirit. Some people are so intellectual, they're dangerous. Because they judge everything by their natural brain rather than judging things by their spirit. And you've got to learn it's not only your natural brain, but you have a spirit. There is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty gives him understanding. Job said that too. Job 32 verse 8. The first man was made a living soul. That's what caused him so much trouble. He had an amazing mind. He named all the birds. He named all the animals. And yet he got in trouble. The last Adam, speaking of Jesus, was made a life-giving spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. Afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthly, after the natural Adam. The second man is of the Lord from heaven, after the second Adam, Jesus. As is the earthly, so they are heavenly. As is the heavenly, so they are, are heavenly. As we have borne the image of the earthly, the natural Adam, we will also bear the image of the heavenly, Jesus. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood, this physical body cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It can't live forever in the presence of Jesus. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We're not all going to die. We're not all going to sleep, but we're going to be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, they tried to measure that one time. They said it was 158th of one second. Quickly. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption. And this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. Now I can hear Paul saying this at the top of his voice. Oh death. Where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, grave, where is your sting? 
You see, because the death has no victory over those who have believed in Jesus. And the grave has no sting to those who have believed in Jesus. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Everybody say, we have the victory. Hallelujah. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what are we who live and believe to do if someone goes home to be with Jesus? He says, you be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For you know that your labor is not in vain. You know, when I was just 17 years old, I was a senior in high school. My daddy went home to be with Jesus. I had the privilege of spending the last day of his life with him. Because the Lord woke me up that morning on a Friday morning before I went to school. And he told me, you stay home and be with your dad today. And we had a wonderful day together. But that evening, my dad went to water my cows, and I was still irrigating. My mama was cooking supper. And my dad slipped away into heaven and went home to be with Jesus. And, you know, just within an hour or so after he passed, my mama and I went, and we found him. And he was sitting there on that tractor, and he was sitting there in peace. And my mama said, what are we going to do? Are we going to raise daddy from the dead? And I told my mama at 17 years old, mama, daddy went home to be with Jesus. And we're going to serve the Lord. And I want to tell you, praise God, that I've done my best to do that from that time to this. I haven't been perfect, but I've done my best to be steadfast and immovable and always abounding in the, in the work of the Lord. Because I know where my daddy is. My daddy is with Jesus. And one day, Jesus is going to come. And those who are dead in Christ, those who passed off before us who profess faith in Jesus are going to be raised up. And those of us who are alive and remain when Jesus comes, we're going to be caught up together. We're going to get in immediately. There's going to be a physical resurrection in a glorified body. Hallelujah. And we're going to live with Jesus forever. That's a long, long time. Amen. So thank God for the hope that we have in Jesus. Thank God for the hope that we have in the Word of God. Now, John goes on after he says this. He says, Thomas, in verse 29, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they who have not seen and yet believed. Verse 30 says, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the anointed one, and that believing you might have life in his name. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Do you believe that God raised him from the dead? And do you believe that Jesus ascended into heaven? Praise God. And one day sent the Holy Spirit. And one day Jesus is going to come again. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of eternity past creating all things. He was Lord when he walked on this earth. Lord over sin. Lord over sickness, Lord over
over death, Lord over demons, Lord over disease, and he is Lord when he comes again. Lord of eternity. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. And when you believe on him, the Lord of heaven, the Lord of earth, and the Lord of the grave, the Lord of eternity, past, present, and future, takes up residence on the inside of you. And when you understand that, life just can't be so bad. Love you. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www dot or call us at 719-418-4000.